You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome to Terps and the Pros on the Testudo Times Podcast Network. I'm Matt Levine with Lila Bromberg and Jordan Gold today, and we'll start by recapping week six of the NFL for former Terps, and this time it was Stefan Diggs headlining the week. And Jordan, obviously, talk about this game, but Stefan Diggs with his best performance of the season. I uh, don't want to pat myself on the back too much here, but uh, at the end of the at the end of the last week's episode, we talked about who we thought our big performers were going to be. I had mentioned Diggs. I said this weak Eagles secondary. He was going to take advantage of it, and sure enough, he finally has his big game. Seven catches, 167 yards, three touchdowns. He also had two rushes for 18 yards, which I thought was interesting. But I think it was an all-around great, great day for Stephon Diggs. It was good to see him get back into a groove with Cousins, even if it's against uh, you know a team that is really banged up in the secondary. But it also showed that Cousins can support two receivers when he wants to, when he when he's playing well. I mean, Thielen still had a decent game. He had six catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. So it wasn't all Diggs and. He did, he did a really good job, and uh, it was good to see. Yeah, you know, three career touchdowns. He did have that one kind of play where the ball went off his hands and kind of allowed an interception, but, you know, one of the best games of his career, big game for him. But my question now is whether this is sustainable. You said you saw in that game that, you know, they can run a two-wide receiver game, that, you know, Cousins can throw to both of them. Is this something that, can sustain or is this just a one-off game because I think you look at the rest of the season and he hasn't had his production so I wonder if maybe like Kirk Cousins gets a spark in him from all these rumors going around and everything like that everyone talking about how bad he is and if that'll continue or if this is just kind of like a fluke with a bad you know secondary um I think I think that we're just gonna have to see I I don't think there's like a, a clear answer yet and, like, if you look at the box score, I mean, for the Vikings, all this year it's it's been Dalvin Cook and Dalvin Cook and more Dalvin Cook. And this was really the first game. He only had 41 yards. He did get a touchdown. But I think really what we're going to see is maybe two of those three skill players having a big game each week. Maybe only one, depending on how good or bad the Vikings are. And this week it seemed to be – it obviously was Diggs who was the main guy – and then Thielen, and then Cook, which is the first time this year where Cook was really the you know last guy in the pecking order for them. So I think it'll, it'll really depend on matchup. For example, this week they go to Detroit, take on a Lions team coming off a tough Monday night loss. They have a good defense. I think it'll be more of a ground-and-pound attack. They're, I think they'll probably try and hit the ground more with Cook. So we'll see if Diggs has as good – obviously – Probably won't have as good of a game as last week, but we'll see if he can turn in another good performance. I'd maybe lean on um, maybe not as good of a performance this week. But then the next week they have the Redskins on a Thursday night game, which I think that could be a huge, yeah. huge game. The Redskins, I mean, awful all around. But in the secondary, they're not so good either. They let up a lot of yards to receivers. And then it's, it's a tough, tough rest of the schedule for the Vikings, but... I think Diggs can turn it around and salvage his season for sure, especially after putting up numbers like he put up on Sunday. Yeah, I think that 
the thing about the mentality aspect that goes into this too. Like I mentioned, I think that first having Phelan come out and um, kind of express some concerns about the passing game, and then you have all the drama going down with Stefan Diggs, I think. And then, you know, you have basically like on every talk show, everyone's talking about, you know, how bad Cousins is. They're going off on him on first take. Like his, it's just all everywhere. Um, and I think that had to motivate him. Um, but like I said, I wonder if that's going to last. But even if it doesn't, I think that this then puts Stefan Diggs in a better place where he's at a place where he, you know, more wants to be after seeing this. I feel like the team almost needed to give him some sort of big game to give him more targets if, um, you know, they're going to kind of get him back in their good graces to, you know, while trade wasn't necessarily possible, but to get um, kind of a situation in a, you know, better spot that um, the team can be more unified because it was really taking up, you know, all the headlines that's got to, you know, you don't want to be focusing on that instead of your game plan. So I think this was a big step for a Vikings team to see um, the two receivers and quarterback and just everyone a bit more unified. Totally. Um, I think that, um, with that performance this week, you definitely seen those trade rumors die down a good amount. I mean, I, I haven't heard much about it this week and I think, I think it's pretty clear Diggs will probably be staying put when that trade deadline comes around and it'll remain to be seen the rest of the season, what happens. And I think those, those trade rumors will be put to bed at least until this off season. And this is arguably one of the best games of his career, but do you think it's one of the best games by any receiver this year? Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, no, I don't. I don't think anyone has turned in a three touchdown game like this, and as far as receivers go. So, I mean, that just automatically makes it, you know, a special performance. One hundred sixty-seven yards. That's that's a lot of yards. That's a really good day. Um, I think Amari Cooper two weeks ago. I think he had maybe like two hundred ten yards. Um, he might have had three touchdowns that game also. I can't can't remember. Will Fuller in uh, oh. week five last week had fourteen catches for two hundred seventeen yards and three All right, touchdowns. So that that might that might yeah. uh, take the cake over Diggs, but definitely up there with one of the best performances this year. And I think when as we get towards the end of the year, I think it'll probably also still be up there as one of the best performances from a receiver this year. And I think it's so important that it came at a time where all this all the rumors are happening around Diggs and everyone, as you said, Lila's criticizing Kirk Cousins. I don't, I personally don't think he's that bad of a quarterback. I, I would mean, disagree, but he, he has been to the playoffs. He has a good team around him. He hasn't been producing the way he should be. He has be. not like gotten like wins in the playoffs. <laughs> That's for another time. But I think finally we saw that he's, I think Jordan said earlier that he's able to have Thielen involved and Diggs involved and Dalvin Cook even scored a touchdown with not with not producing too many yards, but they were still able to do things well offensively. And I think that's definitely a bright spot going forward, but I don't know how consistent that will be. I think though it's still kind of just a shame because I feel like this was a year where Stefan Diggs could have come out and really like won some sort of award, really like established himself as the best wide receiver in the league or one of them. And um, it's a shame to see things have gone the way they have. And um, I think he could still... If they can continue to play like he did last week, I mean, I think that maybe he can get um, to a better spot in terms of that. I don't really think it's possible anymore just because of the way the season started. So I think that's kind of a shame, but it, it would definitely be good to see him end uh, the season and, you know, just going. I mean, obviously a lot of time left, but uh, in this latter part of the season, the second half, to really 
establish himself and keep us going. But, you know, it's going to depend. There's just so many weapons on that offense. It's just how, you know, the game plan they're having going into that week. It's totally just going to depend. And it, it really just lies with Kirk Cousins, I think. And Cousins, he's proven throughout his career. We've talked about it before on this podcast. He, he beats up on the bad teams. And while the Eagles aren't a bad team, they are a bad defense right now. They're extremely, extremely banged up. And so I think I think that's part of the big week for Cousins and Diggs. And we'll see if, if Cousins can continue this and prove that he can do it against good defenses and good teams, then Diggs will certainly reap the rewards of that. And we'll go on to DJ Moore. And he had a pretty good day again, seven catches for 73 yards with a team high of 10 targets. He's been pretty solid recently and not too many touchdowns being produced, but a lot of yards on his part, and especially without Cam Newton, I think it's pretty impressive for DJ Moore. And I said on this podcast a few weeks ago, I think it was after like one or two of the games with Kyle Allen, I think it was the game that um, DJ Moore had that big touchdown, you know, that was over 50 yards. I said that I think he looked better with Kyle Allen, and there's a lot of debate going on right now about if Cam Newton is coming back, who's going to start, and if we're talking about what's best for DJ Moore, I honestly think he's better off with Kyle Allen. I think I've seen more of a connection there. It, it remains to be seen. His best weeks have still been – week two was his best week, and that was with Cam Newton. And, but the good news with Kyle Allen is the targets have gone up every single week um, for the past couple weeks with Allen. But the uh, Panthers are on by this week, and they've said Cam Newton is going to start um, – He's well, going to start. He's going to he, no, not, oh, not okay. going to start. He's going to start practicing <laughs> after the bye week. They haven't decided who's going to be the starting quarterback yet. Ron Rivera has been very uh, dismissive of any talk of a quarterback controversy. He just said we'll deal with it when Cam Newton gets healthy. But we'll see what happens. I mean, people have been talking about Cam Newton potentially getting traded. I read something that said up to ten AFC teams are interested in getting Cam Newton. So. If if they if they were to say Kyle Allen's our guy, Cam Newton's gonna have a lot of interest for him. But I I personally think that DJ Moore is best suited with Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton gives him the best. DJ Moore thrives in the deep balls and those long routes, and Kyle Allen doesn't have the strongest arm. He's been so successful partly because he's been able to utilize Christian McCaffrey to the fullest, who's maybe he's having an MVP type season. And he's been able to utilize some dump-offs and screen passes to Christian McCaffrey, which is all good and well. But I, I think Cam Newton's a more talented player when he's, when he's healthy. And I think DJ Moore is better with Cam Newton. And Quentin Jefferson for the Seattle Seahawks. Four tackles and half a tackle for loss against the Browns. He plays the Baltimore Ravens this week. So coming back near Maryland and playing against the Ravens. But he's been pretty solid and... He's been. I, I'd argue this is one of the best years of his career so far. I think this certainly is the best year of uh, Jefferson's career. He also had a pass deflection in that game uh, on Sunday against the Browns. And the thing with, with Jefferson that is interesting is that um, Jerron Reed, who is the Seahawks' usual starter at a defensive tackle, he's coming back from suspension this week he was suspended six games so that we'll, we'll see how that affects um Jefferson's playing time he's really he's played a lot these first six weeks every single week he's 
over 60% of the defensive snaps. Last week against Cleveland, he played a season-high 87% of the snaps on defense. So it was a really good week for him. And I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens now with uh, Jerron Reed coming back. And as for Darnell Savage, he did not play in the game this week after the ankle injury that was suffered in week five. Um, but now he's he's moved out of the favorite to win defensive rookie of the year, obviously. I don't know how, uh, how in-depth this injury is and how long it'll keep him out, how serious it is. They haven't really said too much. The Packers are kind of keeping it quiet. But, I mean, if this if this isn't serious, I think he obviously will come back and I think he'll produce the same way he was, which was to be the on pace to be the rookie of the year. But we saw him sit out. Is it possible that he sits out for this week and coming weeks? We saw, we saw on Monday the Packers really struggled without um, Savage's presence. And you saw it on the... E- even just the first play of the game, Stafford airs airs it out to Kenny Galladay, and he's wide open. And I, I'd have to think Savage would have maybe uh, done a little to help them uh, there. But now you see Nick Bosa has been playing really well. Devin Bush had a great game for the Steelers on Sunday night. Brian Burns has been playing great in Carolina, so it's gonna be it's gonna be an uphill battle for Savage. We saw just two or three weeks ago his odds. Uh, to win the defensive rookie of the year, we're at plus three fifty. He's now at plus one thousand. So he's that he slid into the fourth leading spot there. So I think once he gets back on the field, he can regain uh, some of that attention and get back into the conversation. But until that happens, we're um, I he's going to keep falling. And the Packers they've been pretty tight lipped about the situation, and we'll see what happens uh, as this week goes on to see if he'll be playing. And, they said it wasn't serious, but I read he was in a walking boot. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I th- hopefully he'll play this week. If not, I think he'd play the next week. Yeah, just not a lot of clarity that we're getting from them. And it's just such a shame for him. He was really, you know, lighting things up. Was a clear favorite, as we said. And um, was making a huge impact for that defense. And so... They looked like a really good team with him. They, you know, the defense was on fire, and I think that's a tough loss for a team and just tough for him in his rookie season to have to deal with an injury. I mean, they're saying it's not serious. Um, I just wish we could get some more clarity because he's now been out, you know, two, one or two games. Just one. Well, just one, he, he left like early. He yeah. left early in that Cowboys game. I think it was in the first first quarter or early in the second quarter. So it's basically been almost two games at this point, and they really they really have not provided much info on what's going on with him. And I, I tried looking today. I couldn't find anything. I think maybe the Packers didn't uh, really practice today because they played on Monday night. I'm not, not too sure what their deal, what their deal was, but I couldn't find anything new. So I guess we'll just have to keep watching the, that injury report as we get closer to Sunday to see if uh, Savage is going to play. And on Twitter, there's actually nothing about whether, how, how severe this is. Or nothing. Not absolutely nothing. If he'll play, the only thing that I see is that it said he didn't practice, and I think that was on Sunday, and then obviously he didn't play against Detroit on Monday. So, I mean, we all hope, as all Maryland fans hope, that he will eventually be okay and be able to play because I think he was on pace to be that rookie of the year. But we'll have to wait that out, and we'll get you, obviously, more information as it comes to us and as the Packers release it. But we'll move on to Yannick Ngakwe, who... Only had one tackle in this game. He's been up and down, really having. 
he has really solid games and then he'll struggle a little bit. But now his teammate and another defender, Jalen Ramsey, was traded to uh, Baltimore. So I think this opens up more of a of a role that Ngakwe has to play. I know they're different positions, but it's more pressure on him now to be that main defender for Jacksonville. It's been a weird year for Yannick. First of all, Jalen Ramsey was traded to the Rams. Marlon, or not Marlon Humphrey. Marcus Peters was traded to Baltimore. It was a weird little uh, cornerback day yesterday with uh, yeah. trades. But uh, it's it's been weird for Yannick. He comes off his best game of the season. He has two sacks, and then to only get one tackle. I mean, that's. I know the Saints have a good offensive line, but that's just strange to me. I don't. I don't know what was going on there. Um, look to see him bounce back. Um, but I. I don't know. I'm a little lost for words. I. I really thought he would have been putting up a better season so far. I mean, he's arguably been a bigger disappointment. Definitely at this point, a bigger disappointment than Diggs has been. And those. Those are the two marquee Maryland guys in the league on offense and defense. So it's tough to see him struggle and hopefully he can uh, regain his, uh, his top top tier play on that uh, defensive line. But he did have that game with two sacks and I think that was a good sign. And um, I think he can, you know, have a good season. Uh, I think you saw like a lot of tenacity with those two sacks. Um, I think he's just being a bit more aggressive and finding those opportunities, but you know, we'll see what continues with that. You know, I think they're, you know, they're, this week they play the Bengals, but the week after that they play the Jets. And I know you're a big Jets fan, but I think that's a game where he's gonna really pound it on the Jets. No, totally. I think <laughs> I think more so the Bengals. Honestly, the Bengals they are not strong up front. I think he will definitely do a good job of getting to Andy Dalton and uh, getting into that uh, Cincinnati backfield. And also with the Jets, obviously not too strong of a offensive line with the Jets. So definitely could be a good opportunity for him to, you know, feast on Sam Darnold and Le'Veon back there. But the Jets' the offensive line did look very much improved uh, in Darnold's first game back in that win against the Cowboys. And arguably the biggest news of this past week, and we didn't get to touch up on it because it was the deci- deciding game five when we last recorded our podcast, the WNBA Finals, the Washington Mystics coming out on top. And obviously, we see a lot of Terps in that series. But who who stood out to you guys, and what what do you think this means for Maryland alumni? And does it help the current Maryland basketball team with kind of players to look up to in the next level? Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, you know, you have five players that spent their full career with Maryland, and then you've got two others um, as well who you know played here and then transferred. If you're looking at both the Connecticut Sun and Washington Mystics. Uh, you know, Brenda Freeze took a ton of the players to those games and uh, she was at a lot of them. She was at the championship. Uh, they posted like some cool videos and, you know, things like that. And then they came to Maryland to do a little celebration. And I think it's just really awesome to see, you know, you've Chrissy Tolliver uh, rolling up uh, in uh, a Maryland jersey. Uh, she had 18 points, four rebounds and four assists in that game. And, um, yeah, I've, it's just such a great thing, I think, for the Terps. It's really awesome to see that. And it was just a great moment for D.C. and the Mystics. Um, just a great series and a great game. Totally, totally agree. It's great for the program. It's great for great for everything Maryland basketball. And I think, for me, who stood out the most, obviously, Tolliver, she played, she played the biggest role of the Maryland players on the Mystics. But then also, 
Alyssa Thomas, can't can't forget about her uh, baby Braun, as they like to call her. Uh, she had an incredible series in that deciding game five. She goes for 21 points, 12 assists, and six rebounds. So, I mean, she's she's phenomenal. She's got to be one of the best players in the WNBA at this point. And, you know, it's tough to see um, players like that lose. But, you know, it's good to see that they lost to uh, some fellow Turks. And I think it's it's obviously Washington, D.C. seeing a lot of a lot of uh, championships now with the, the Nationals going and the Capitals winning in 2018. So D.C. is continuing to dominate in sports. And I think that can kind of attract uh, Maryland athletes to play for Maryland, um, especially women's basketball. I mean, if, if you see that alumni are getting to the league and they're winning the championship, that it will help Brenda Freeze a lot. And, and playing big roles exactly. in, the, in those championship, in those paths to the championship. Um, but I think all these players that competed in the WNBA Finals are some of the best in the entire WNBA. And I think both teams will be back in the running next year. And a lot of, I mean, I would assume that Stephanie Jones ends up going to play in the WNBA. Um, eventually, Brianna Frazier, who graduated last year for Maryland. And I think a lot of Brenda Freeze's players are so talented, and she trains them so well. And she's an extremely great coach that just creates players and creates talent that will, they'll all eventually get to the league. Yeah, it's, it's just so great to see. Um, and, you know, I got to talk to her when they were doing the announcement for the new basketball performance facility and she was just so happy um you can genuinely just see how uh, excited she is how great it makes her feel to see her players competing at this high level and we'll move on to nba preseason actions got underway last week the season starting next week but the main guy that we want to talk about is kevin herter another guy with absolutely no injury reports on him just the fact that he's he has a knee injury now they're a not knee, even saying knee injury we're just saying knee, knee issue. pain knee, we're saying knee pain which is just like so unclear so, just just across yeah. the league i just across all leagues and maryland sports in general i just need some more transparency of these injuries <laughs> like i need to know what's going on so the latest with herder comes comes from a friend of mine ben steiner he says I texted with Kevin Herter today, and he's taking his knee injury day-to-day. There's no guarantee he plays at all during the preseason, which we had heard before that he probably was going to sit out the rest of the preseason. And Ben goes on to say his main goal is to make sure he comes back. When he comes back, he'll be ready to play at a high level. So I think that leaves things kind of bleak. And I think that also leaves, leaves the window open for maybe he misses the first couple games of the regular season. And hopefully that doesn't happen, but... If his main goal is to be, you know, at his to be uh, playing at the highest level at the best health he can be at, maybe maybe it might mean missing the first couple games of the regular season, which I don't think is too big a deal. I think Herder's going to have a great season. I think he should slot into starting role for the Hawks, but um, we'll see what happens. It's definitely something to monitor. Herder, obviously a guy who hasn't had too many injuries in the past. He had that hand surgery. Um, during the draft process last year. Uh, don't think he was ever too banged up in Maryland. So we'll see what happens, and uh, hopefully he can get back out on the court soon. 
And uh, Alex Len, another one of the Hawks, had three points and two assists and one rebound in the last game against the Heat. I think he might have to play a pivotal role in that uh, that front court this year for the Hawks. Yeah, I think he's going to have a starting role. But one more thing on Kevin Herter. I-, I did hear him say, you know, he said earlier this season that his goal was to uh, be able to play every single game. And part of me, like, because they haven't said a specific thing, like they're not even saying a sprain, they're saying knee pain, part of me thinks that he's just trying to rest his body up as much as possible for a regular season. I think that's probably the case. But I, leaving it so bleak, I, th- I think there has there has to be a chance that he misses the beginning of it. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't think he's going to miss the beginning of the regular season. But I was just saying, I feel like, it could be a possibility if he's really committed to, you know, making sure he's as healthy as can be. And obviously these preseason games don't matter too much at all. I mean, it's all about the regular season. So if he's just sitting out to get ready for the regular season, that that's good. That's that's a good thing. We want him to be fully healthy uh, going into the regular season. And Bruno Fernando, obviously another one of those Terps. He's, he's been pretty solid. I mean, I've been seeing a lot of highlight plays from him, a lot of dunking plays. Uh, he had a he had a dribble move I saw a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week, but he played in 12 minutes and he has three blocks in four games. So, I mean, he's been pretty solid, and I would assume that Fernando will take on a role that I think we all expect him to take on a role, not start, but eventually crack the starting lineup possibly, but. I think he's really solid. He can do good things for the Hawks team. Yeah, and you know, Damian Jones, I think will take. He was. He seemed to be playing more preseason action, um, and I think with like I like I've said before, I think with Bruno, it's just a matter of adjusting. You know, when Kevin Herter, he had a terrible. He didn't even play pre. No, he didn't play summer league. I think he played maybe a little bit of preseason or not. There's like that finger issue. Took him issue. a while to adjust. Yeah, it took him a while, and even like when the regular season started, uh, he wasn't really playing. Um, a lot and he wasn't getting uh the kind of production that he was hoping for and then you see like in the latter part of the season he really develops you know not every guy is going to come in the league and have just come out right away but I think we've seen a lot a lot of positive signs from Fernando um you know he hasn't put up a ton of points but or played a ton of minutes but he's had uh you know f- sorry he's had uh four blocks in three games um and he's been really solid on the defensive end. And I think he's shown like a lot of potential. He hasn't really taken a lot of shots. I think you've seen some hesitancy, and I, and I get that. And I was texting with him the other day, and he was just saying that, you know, he's just kind of getting settled into everything, still trying to adjust and all of that. Um, but I, I just love seeing all of uh, these turfs together. As I've said, uh, they showed him there's like the best photo of them getting on the plane the other day of um, just Bruno and. Uh, Kevin together, and then Bruno was posting on social media, the three of them with, you know, uh, Herter, Len, and Bruno all getting, uh, you know, food together, and uh, he was, like, saying, you know, the three Terps in Atlanta, and it's just, it's just so cool to see, and so I think that that's really going to help him is, you know, when he's getting down in his confidence or he's not getting those mints that he has those two guys to lean on, especially because Kevin, you know, did have that rough start. Yeah, and we forgot to talk about Len a little bit there. Um, the, so that center position there in Atlanta, I think it looks like it's going to be Len as the starter. He didn't start the first game of the preseason. He started every game since though. And then they have Damian Jones, who they traded for from the Warriors. Um, and then also Fernando, obviously. And I think Fernando, he's he, like Lyle said, he's shown some flashes. He's shown some, shown some potential. I, 
Don't know how many minutes he's going to get in the regular season for them. I think it could be a scenario where maybe he spends a little bit of time with the G League team, potentially. But I think he's... I don't see that happening. I mean, second-round picks, you see it a lot. Even first-round picks. I mean, but, he should have been a first-round... Uh, yeah, think he should have been a first-round pick. And also, he has a signed, guaranteed three-year contract. I don't think that's going to happen, personally. I, I, I mean, I, I, you see teams really taking advantage more and more of the G League, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing for him to spend some time um, with the G League, especially considering the Hawks just started a new G League team uh, actually called the College Park Skyhawks. College Park, Georgia, not College Park, uh, yeah, not College Park, Maryland. But I think I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if he was to spend some time there. If he's not getting minutes with the Hawks, because it's definitely it's clear that Len and Jones are ahead of him in the pecking order, um, and we'll see how many minutes he can carve out for himself. And as of right now, I think obviously Layman, Jake Layman, sticks out the most from these guys. I think Herder is the most talented. And he's proved himself the most, obviously, just the one season, but made all-rookie second team. And I think if he ends up being healthy, which he should with that knee issue, he'll have a great season. But I think the second guy is Jake Lehman. And just talk about him a little, Jordan. It's definitely Lehman. He's definitely uh, – I mean, I'd say him and Len are, you know, 2A and 2B for uh, the Terps in the NBA when it comes to skill level and, you know, importance to their team. And Lehman, he, he played well this past week. He started um, against the Pacers last night. He had 10 points, three rebounds, three assists. So that's it's a solid day's work. He started half the games in the preseason, came off the bench for the other games. Not sure if that's just because guys were sitting out or whatnot. But, I mean, the T-Wolves, they're probably not going to make the playoffs in the West. But I think that Lehman has a good opportunity to potentially start there and, you know, play a role for them for sure. Definitely a bigger role than he had um, – uh, back in Portland uh, the past couple seasons. Yeah, I mean, I think he looks really great, and I think you're seeing an increase in confidence. You know, I when I uh, did, you know, I did a couple stories when he got drafted, and I mean, sorry, not when he got drafted, when he got traded, and was saying this is a team that's younger, but he's going to have more an op- of an opportunity on to really come out and um, play an increased role, and uh, he's looked really solid, um, like you said. He's put up solid points, has started in some of the games. Um, his dunking game, I think, has been great. I remember we were talking about 2K that we thought he was being ripped there with it. Yeah. And I think you've seen that in the preseason. Um, and he's just looked really good all around, I think. Um, I, I think he's going to have a good year. It's, I think he could make the starting lineup. We'll see what happens. But things are looking up for him right now. And, you know, before we kind of wrap things up here... One Terp that is not in the NBA that is fighting for the NBA that I have to talk about this week is Melo Trimble. He is really lighting it up uh, in the NBL. And uh, I kind of had a video that went viral on Twitter. He, His team, Melbourne United, played the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, and he looked really, really good in that game. Uh, had 22 points, which was tied uh, for the high across uh, both teams. Uh, had a six assists, uh, three steals. And he looked like he could compete against NBA talent. And I think they have a game coming up where he's going to go up against De'Aaron Fox. And that's I, tonight, actually. Yeah, that's tonight. And so I think that's going to be really big for him. Uh, he's showing to you know NBA scouts and talent that he has what it takes to compete against those players. For Trimble, I, I think Maryland fans, I think we all believe that Melo Trimble should be playing in the NBA. 
Um, I don't know why he's not playing in the NBA. I, it, from from what you can see, um, it seems like he probably didn't want to take that whole summer league grind, and he had that he had a guarantee to play for one of the best teams in Australia that this year. So that's probably why he chose to stay and not even attempt to come back and try and get into the NBA. But I think he's going to have a killer season down in Australia. And I think with that killer season, it could present an opportunity next season to come and play in the NBA. Or also a lot of these leagues, I, I know the NBL does because uh, Andrew Bogut did it last year. The, their seasons end in March and, so they can allow some of those guys to potentially sign with NBA teams at the end of the season. So if Trimble really kills it this year, we could potentially see him coming back to the NBA in March and signing with a team who might need a point guard. Maybe they have an injury or some hole they need to fill. They need some a player like Melo who can come in and give them points off the bench and you know really facilitate an offense. Yeah, and I really just love uh, the NBL getting more attention this year. I think that's really, really good for him. Um, you know, when you bring in players like LaMelo Ball, who, by the way, when they played each other in the preseason, he dominated. Um, and then you bring in uh, just the different guys they have. Now you have the deal with the NBA where you're streaming more games and things like that. I think that's going to be really good for him in terms of getting his name out there. Like, he is a star in that league, and I think he's in a much better spot with Melbourne United being on a much uh, more competitive team than he was last year. And I think. Uh, that's a guy that you're going to see in the league within the next two years. I agree. I think he, I mean, obviously he proved it against the Clippers in the preseason game, but I mean, even in his time in the league for a little bit and then he going overseas now, I mean, I think he's just been great. I mean, he he's shown he's a leader. He's a scorer. He's a pure scorer. He's a shooter. I think he has a chance to compete with guys in the NBA. And I think, that some one of the thirty teams needs to give him a chance and sign him to a contract. I I think that I think he can help any team, whether it's being just the last guy on the bench, even just to start and make his way up to to even getting some playing time. I think he can really do something in the NBA, and I think one of the thirty teams needs to go out there and sign him. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. We are going to be having a NBA preseason preview coming on Monday as the regular season gets started. It'll uh, The Timberwolves have their first game next Wednesday, and the Hawks will have their first game uh, that Thursday. And uh, hopefully Kevin Herter will be playing, and we'll be talking about everything uh, that could happen for those Terps this season. So stay tuned for that, obviously, the NBA preview and... We'll, we'll end, as I always end the show, with who will be the standout player in the NFL this week. So it's kind of a tough week for uh, predictions uh, in terms of uh, standout players because you have uh, um, DJ Moore on bye. You have Darnell Savage potentially not playing. So, you know, it really limits the options a little bit. But with that being said, uh, my standout performer this week, I'm going Yannick. I think he has a nice game against a – Really crappy Bengals team, so I think I think he gets to Andy Dalton at least once and gets at least one sack, hopefully some more. I think he needs to prove that he is a star in this league. He's worthy of a big contract at the end of this season, and I think that starts on Sunday against the Bengals. Yeah, that was actually who I was going to say too. And shout out to him. He actually followed us on Twitter, so maybe he's listening. I don't know. Hopefully, we can get him 
uh, on an outtakes podcast sometime, sometime soon. But yeah, I think that uh, I think he's gonna have a good week because you said you know Bengals, not a strong team, and um, I think he's gonna come out. He had those two sacks, like I mentioned, and uh, I think he's gonna get you know one or two sacks this week. I'll take the uh, the usual Stefan Diggs. I mean, after a performance <laughs> like last week, I think he'll he won't match that, but he'll do something solid and he'll have. I, I would say he has a hundred yards again especially against he's playing Detroit and Detroit's a team that usually is always playing in a shootout where it's pass heavy on both sides of the ball on both on both offenses so I think the Vikings will have to kind of move the ball a lot if they're playing from behind early on so I think Diggs will definitely have a solid performance and stay tuned with all the coverage on Testudo Times and thank you for joining us on this edition of Terps and the Pros on the Testudo Times podcast network.